50 years ago, there was a band called Five Man Electrical Band. They produced a song called Signs. And they sang signs, signs, everywhere the signs. Now, the song has nothing to do with the sermon or the series of sermons that I've preached already. Those lyrics inspired the title, though, and so I want to give credit where credit is due. Navigating this life can be compared to traveling in a vehicle. We all need to pay attention to the signs, whatever they are. As I said to the children, I walked around here this morning and I took pictures of all the signs just around here. You'd be surprised how many signs there are. We just sort of largely ignore them, unless we have to pay attention to them. Weight limit, 10 tons. Is there any sign pictures up there? There. Christ Family Church. And there's another one now. The place you belong at the top of the steps. Signs. Everywhere there's signs. Stop. Yield. Left turn, right turn. There's signs that identify areas. Out here in our corner of our parking lot. One side says Chicora Borough. The other side says Fairview Township. And actually, it's Donegal Township. We're in Donegal Township right here. Fairview's over there at the cemetery, and Chicora's over there at the parking lot. We actually have three townships or municipalities that we're a part of here. Nobody wanted us, so they divided us up. <laughs> Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! One of the most important things that we do, though, when we go through life is pay attention to the signs. And our Lord told us to pay attention to the signs. We're going to look at Mark's gospel record today. I don't have the slides. I didn't have time to put, the, look, put them together. But if you want, you can open a Bible there in your seats if there's enough. If there aren't, raise your hand. We'll find one for you. We're going to go to page, uh, let's see, what, what is it? I thought I put it in here. Page 1569 is where... Uh, Mark's Gospel record starts, page 1569. Not the whole record, just the, the area we're going to read from. We're going to be reading from the 13th chapter of Mark's Gospel record. But, you know, before we do, let, let's, let's go to prayer. Father... The only map that we need is the map of your word. It's the only true map that you have for guiding us through this life. Please use your Holy Spirit, Lord, to remove any blinders. There's so many blinders installed by our flesh and the world and the world's entertainment system and the enemy of souls who influences both of those, his minions who block our vision with every manner of deception. Enable us to turn to the cross of Christ. Please open our eyes to see, Father. Please help us to submit to your word as our guide. We are unworthy of your love, but you made the way to cleanse us, Father. Help all of us to surrender fully to you. Use your spirit to speak to us, Lord. Help me, Father, to speak clearly and concisely. I yield to you completely. I completely turn myself over to you, Father. Please bless all who receive this message, all who are within the sound of my voice now or later. Let us get what you have for us. It's in Christ's name that I pray. And all of God's people said, Amen.
Mark chapter 13. Then he went out of the temple. One of his disciples said to him, Teacher, see me what manner of stones and what buildings are here. Jesus answered and said to him, You see these great buildings, not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. And that's what is fulfilled. When the temple was destroyed by the Romans, they burned the temple, and then they turned every stone over and get every drop of mountain gold. About seventy years, and they be seventy of Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things will be fulfilled? And Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed to no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and will deceive many. But when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be troubled, for such things must happen, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and the root word there for nation is ethnos. It's ethnos, it means ethnicity. Different groups of people groups can go against other people groups. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines and troubles. These are the beginning of sorrow. But watch out for yourself, for they will deliver you off the councils, and you will be beaten in the synagogues. You will be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for that money to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. For when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not worry beforehand or pretend what you will speak. For whatever, excuse me, but whatever is given you in that hour, speak that. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit is saying, don't prepare for your trial. Well, uh, I don't know if there are any attorneys present, but that's not what an attorney would advise. But he's saying, don't even prepare. Don't, don't worry about what you're going to speak. Speak what it is that you're given at that moment. Now, brother will betray brother to death, and father her child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. And that is not the modern Christian message of the United States of America. The modern message is, you're going to get everything you want, just become a, a Jesus priest. Follow Jesus and you're going to get all you want, everything you ever desire. You'll get your best life now. In those days, 
think that is for Torah, that he's speaking about, okay? He's talking about different events. The destruction of the temple was an immediate event. They said, look at how great this place is, and they said, that. so what? It's going to be knocked down, and not one stone is going to be turned over. Mm-hmm. And then he starts talking about the end of days, the time preceding when he comes. And that tribulation is going to be greater than any ever before or ever shall be. And unless the Lord had shortened those days, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, sake, whom he chose, he shortened the day. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, he is there, do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will rise and show signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. And that's the goal. It's to deceive God's elect. That is what the enemy wants to do. And if it weren't possible, Christ would have said, it is impossible. He didn't say that. What he said was, if it was possible, if he would, if he is able to, he said, if possible, he said, if, if he was able to, we give in. You see, even the elect. But say, see, see, I told you all these things before, and he was prepared. But in those days, after that tribulation, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars in heaven will fall, and the powers in heaven will be shaken. Then, after that tribulation, then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with power and great glory, great power and glory. And then he will send his angels to gather together his elect from the four winds and from the farthest parts of the earth to the farthest parts of heaven. Now, learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branches already become tender and put forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things happen, you know that when you observe these signs, know that it's near at the door. The door of the ICU, this generation, will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But at that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the sun, but only the Father. Take heed, which watch and pray, do not know when that time is. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants, and to each his work, and commanded the, commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he finds you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to Paul, watch. One who just talking to his disciples, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would bless the reading. And hearing of your word, bless my mouth, Lord, that I would quit stumbling over my words, I pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. The one that we call Jesus foretold the signs preceding his return. There's going to be great tribulation. But you know, the part that stuck out, that really stood out to me in Mark's rendering, which reads a lot like Matthew's, but Mark is sort of a sped up version, it's a little more condensed. But he gives us some details that Matthew didn't. He identifies who it was that asked our Lord the questions. And our Lord warned, take heed that no one deceives you. And he also said, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and will deceive many. They're going to say, he's the one. They're going to point to him as the one, because he was speaking of himself, I believe. I want us to break that down. I want us to look at that. He was warning about those who come in 
his name. In his name. Not outside of his name. In his name. It's not somebody who comes under another name. It's somebody serving in his name. These would be Christian teachers, bishops, pastors, priests, apostles, prophets. I want you to let that sink in for a moment. They proclaim that he's the Messiah, but he warned that they would deceive many. They say he's the Messiah, that he's the Christ, he's the, the anointed one, he's the Savior. But they'll deceive many. He's warning his people to beware of the deceivers who will be in the body. It's very clear to me. I, I started to ask myself, how many is many? Many will come, but the scripture doesn't tell us how many. It doesn't say, well, there's going to be five here and ten there. There's no kind of descriptor other than that there will be many who come in his name and deceive countless multitudes of people. But a few passages of Scripture give clarity to what he was warning about. You read a little further in Mark's Gospel record there in chapter 13 and verse 22. He says, for false Christs, it's false anointed ones, they call themselves anointed, but they're false. These are false Christs and false prophets. Notice that in uh, the Scripture, the Christs are written with a small c. Not speaking about himself. He's not talking about somebody who comes as Messiah. They are false anointed ones because that's what the root words mean. False anointed ones, self proclaimed anointed ones, will rise and show signs and wonders even to deceive, if possible, even the elect. We're going to see these miracles. We're going to see people doing miracles. But it's going to be false. It's going to be false. We need to beware of this. Christ warned his followers to watch out for these bogus, phony, counterfeit, imitation, scam artist prophets and anointed ones. He warned. That was one of the signs that we were going to see preceding his return. And I think we have seen the rise of this type of deception in the body of Christ recently, in the last year especially. He warned them and us to beware. He cautioned about those who would come in his name as wolves in sheep's clothing. In fact, it's written in Matthew chapter 7. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. And what's the fruit? The fruit is what they produce. And what are they producing? False prophecies. That's what he was warning about. He warned about the false teachers. He warned about the false anointed ones. He warned about the false preachers. He warned about the false shepherds. He warned about the false prophets. Over and over and over as we read what he said, we hear his warnings over and over and over. Beware, beware, beware. Don't be deceived. They're coming. Don't be deceived. Be cautious about them. Because they're coming as wolves in sheep's clothing. And what does a wolf do? 
devours the sheep. Well, there was a man named Nelson Darby, came in the name of the Lord, and he's credited with creating a doctrine called the Pre-Tribulation Rapture Doctrine. Darby received his ideas from another, or actually others, especially Edward Irving. This is the actual way that it happened, okay? This pre-tribulation doctrine was not a part of the early church. It wasn't a part of the church until the 1830s. Found nowhere in the writings of Christ or his closest apostles. It's not found in the writings of the early church. I've looked and others have looked. Not there. The truth of Christ's teaching prevailed until the 1830s. Christ said immediately after that great tribulation of that day, of that time, he would return. And all the way up until the 1830s, his teaching prevailed. Christ taught that true believers will be on the earth during the greatest tribulation ever. Ever. He said he'll come for his followers after that. Jesuit priest named Manuel Lacunza produced a new teaching in the mid to late 1700s about the end of days and the end of age. Manuel Lacunza developed this teaching and it's unclear whether or not Darby picked up on it. It was published. And among others, Lacunza was influenced by Arrhenius and Hippolytus. I know these are hard names to remember, and I don't expect you to remember all this. Lacunza was influenced by earlier church writers, okay, in the Roman church. And his writings, Lacunza's writings, influenced Edward Irving. And he influenced Nelson Darby, and Darby influenced Cyrus Schofield. Some of you might be familiar with that name. Schofield popularized the idea of a pre-trib rapture by including its ref he included this idea in his reference notes. And that made it part of the Bible. See, he added his notes to the Bible. And what does the scripture say about adding or taking away from the scriptures? Don't do it. But he did. And according to scholars, the ideas surrounding the pre-trib rapture were largely responsible for for removing the stigma of antichrist which the reformers had applied to the papacy. You see, the early church reformers in the 1500s, they said, we think that the Pope, the papacy, is the antichrist. That's what they said. That's what they taught. It's in their writings. You can find it for yourself. Don't take my word for it. In fact, I would encourage you to look for yourself. And when this pre-tribulation rapture came into being, it changed everything. The false teaching about the return of Christ grew in popularity, and Christ's teaching about his return was ignored or perverted. Because we just heard what he said. If you open the Bible for yourself and you look there, you will see every record that Christ says will be the signs of his coming when he's coming is always after. There's never one that says before. There's never one that says anything but after he receives this tribulation 
then we see his coming. We're not going to go through the wrath of God. He's going to protect us. There's no doubt in my mind about that. He tells us we're not appointed under wrath. We don't know what that looks like. We don't know what it's going to be. But we know this. He will protect us. I believe some people he'll take home. Those who maybe are too weak to endure what is about to come. This doctrine has changed everything. And I believe it's destroying the protestant churches. We're not a protester. We're not protesting anything. We're an independent church. We belong to the Lord Jesus Christ and Almighty God the Father. Guided by His Holy Spirit. Some people say, well, don't you have a board over you? Don't you have... Who's over you? God, is that not good enough for you? I answer to Him. I, I don't know who else I should answer to, but Him, I've answered to Him all of my life. I know Him. I have a relationship with Him. I don't know these other people. I've had some try to put that on me. I've shaken it off. No, you're not going to. No, no, God controls me. I've had some try to use money to control me. No, nope, no, that doesn't work. I'm a volunteer. If anybody would like to give to our support, we may as a gift. We appreciate that. But it's not required. And we thank everybody who has over the past two years. What better way to infiltrate the protesting churches than to bring false teaching? To inject something that would just kind of boil around on the inside and slowly but surely expand and blow up into something that is completely different from what Christ wants. Many have since adopted the false teaching of the pre-tribulation rapture. And they've spread this teaching like yeast in dough. The yeast created a subtle infection that's permeated the body. It didn't completely weaken it at first. Just a little bit of yeast. What did the Lord say about a little leaven? Leavens the whole lump? Yeah. But it has slowly overtaken much of it and debilitated it. Just like a yeast infection in the human body can kill the human body, so has false doctrine infected the body of Christ. The gluten of sin has perforated the body of Christ and penetrated it to the core. It's allowed sin to infect and incapacitate the body of Christ. The body of Christ has been disabled. We are largely inactive. We are ineffective. We're marginalized. And we've been mostly cast aside. You know, I saw an article in the local newspaper. It was on, uh, it was in Section D. And it was talking about how it was an Associated Press article and how the church is declining and pastors are quitting. They blamed it on the scare. But did you hear what I said first? It was in section D. Very deep within the paper. It wasn't on the front page. Hey, people, we need to get right by God. 
when once Christ prevailed in this land, no longer is that true. And I think one of our former presidents said it right. We once were a Christian nation. We are no more. Oh, there's plenty of people who ascribe to the teachings of Christ. There's plenty of people who call themselves followers of Christ. There's plenty of people who may even own Bibles. In fact, this is the number one best-selling book of all time, folks. There's plenty of people who attend services like this. Many buildings like this, there's half the pews, there's chairs or roads or whatever all been, I've seen some of them, roped off. No, don't sit there. And I get it. I get it. I understand fear. I know how it works. And there are people that have succumbed to whatever this is and they've died. And I do not make light of that at all. But I believe the body of Christ has been weakened. I believe we've been marginalized. And the Lord says that's the way it's going to be. He said, you're going to see a great falling away before I come back. And if you don't see that, you know I'm not here yet. I haven't come yet, no matter what anybody says. We, the believers, are the body of Christ. Yet we've been infected and perforated by sin, and the enemy is having a field day. As we read the scriptures, be ye holy as I am holy. There are other scriptures that tell us without holiness, no one will see the Lord. He's coming for a pure bride. You see, the rapture doctrine came from false suppositions, false teachings. God's anointed one, the one that we call Jesus, Yahashua, Messiah, Christ, he taught that his followers would be hated and persecuted. But there are many today that say, oh, that's false teaching. They say, that's false teaching. You're going to have your best life now. Everything's going to go well for you if you come to Jesus. Say this little prayer. It's two lines. And there are some people that have actually become saved, born again, followers of Christ by saying that prayer. But it's not found in the scriptures. It's not written here anywhere. It's not there. I have searched for it. It's not there. And I ask those who teach it if they can show me where it comes from because I'd like to teach it if in fact it's not biblical, but it's not there. The false doctrine teaches people to believe they will not be persecuted because after all, Jesus is going to whisk in, he's going to grab you, and he's going to take you away before the persecution comes. And what would happen if what you've been taught is false and you find yourself in tribulation. You very well could lose your face. faith. Excuse me. It's a shame. God's anointed one, the one that we call Jesus, he taught that people would be hated and persecuted. That's the truth. We know that. He said so. False teachers came in Christ's name. In his name. Oh, yeah, he's the Christ. He's the Messiah. Oh, yeah, we point to him and say, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, I know him. Yeah. Well, the demons know him, too, and they tremble. They believe, and they shudder. They have true fear because they know 
the Lord of glory is going to put them in their final place. And it won't be a resting place. It'll be a place of unrest. That's what his word says. Tell us we're going to escape the sword of persecution. But hear what our Lord said. And you will be hated. This is Matthew chapter 10 verse 22. By all. For my name's sake. Does it say by some? By many? It says all. What does that mean? All means all. The world is going to hate you. Now, that's not a recruitment message for Christianity, is it? The pastor said, the world's going to hate me. I don't know if I want to sign up for this thing. You know. The other guy, he says, I'll get my best life. I ought to go over there. But he, or whomever you could say, endures to the end, will be saved. Then it's written in Matthew chapter 24, our Lord said, then, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you shall be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then in Mark chapter 13, verse 13, it's written, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. And in Luke 21 and verse 17, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. And in John chapter 15, it's written, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hates you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, Therefore, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. That's the truth of God's word. And nobody wants to preach it anymore because it doesn't feel good. Come on, Pastor, you're here to make us feel good. Somebody told me once in this congregation, not this congregation, it was years ago. Your job's to make us feel good, Pastor. Show me in the Bible where that's written, and I will. Not there. He says, preach the word. In season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Straighten people out and then lift them up. Don't just lift them up. That's what God says. That's His word. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. It is written, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. We've read that a little earlier. Christ compares the false teachers to those greedy predators because they destroy, they consume, and they devour the weak within his flock. It's not my flock. It's his flock. In Isaiah chapter 25, it's written, this is our creator's solution to the problem, by the way. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. Who's our Savior? God is our Savior. In 1 Corinthians 
1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, it is written, Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Be brave. But I don't want to be persecuted. Be strong. Look at the words. Stand fast in the faith. In Ephesians chapter 6, we hear this. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Whose might? Whose might? His might, yes, God's might. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Not your own. Don't rely on yourself. Don't rely on your own learning or your own strength. Rely on him. Don't think that you've got the answers. He has the answers. Put on the whole armor of God. That you may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. I don't know if you've ever had to deal with wicked schemes in your life. I know I have. The wiles there, that's exactly what they are. Schemes to trick God's people into leaving their love of God. And how many people I see sitting on their hands saying, I have nothing to do. Jesus is coming soon. said the fields are ripe for harvest the workers are few that false secret rapture doctrine is exactly that it's a wicked scheme of the devil himself and I have to call it what it is folks I don't want to offend anybody because I that was one of the earliest doctrines I learned he's coming again and we used to walk around in the streets preaching Jesus is coming get ready Jesus is coming get ready there's one way to heaven. He's coming. That's for sure. But that doctrine, that scheme has tricked an innumerable number of people into falling away from the truth and embracing falsehood. And if we embrace falsehood, we are not people of the truth. That's important, folks. We need to know this. God's people are to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. We're to put on the whole armor of God. We're to stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. A true prophet delivers true prophecies. A false prophet brings false messages. And we look at Darby's message. We look at Schofield's message. We look at Lacunza's message. We say they are false messages. False teaching. Because it goes contrary to what the Lord of glory himself said. There's no way around that. And I listen to sermons all the time. And I'm trying to find, is there something that I'm missing? Is there somehow, have I missed something, Lord? Am I missing something? Am I not getting it? Because I don't want to do it wrong. I don't want you all relying on me to teach. And somehow I missed something. And when I listen, you know what I find out? They skip over Mark chapter 13. They skip over Matthew chapter 24. They don't like to talk about that because it goes against their doctrine. Do you really believe in the one that we call Jesus? Do you believe that he is the Messiah of God? He's the true anointed one. Do you believe that he is the true anointed one? That he, his words. Pay attention to what he said. 
Pay attention to what he taught. Read what he said. Read what he taught. Learn it. This is what I preached when I was on the streets in Pittsburgh as a teenager. I preached his words. I knew I couldn't go wrong if I did that. I didn't know all this other stuff. I didn't know all these other doctrines. Except for those things that men were teaching me. And then I quickly learned as I read the word. Wait a minute. That doesn't line up with the word. I had to reject that. Not the word. But there are those. Who say, oh, it's a problem passage. John, you don't understand. That's a problem passage. And I will tell you like I tell everybody. No, the passage is not the problem. It's the doctrine that's the problem. It's the false teaching that's the problem. Beware those who deliver false witness against our Lord. Their job is to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Our Lord said so. He warned us about it. Beloved, do not believe every spirit is written in 1 John chapter 4. But test the spirits. Whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone into the world. In Jeremiah chapter 14 it's written. Hear what Jeremiah the prophet. The true prophet of God said. Then I said. Ah Lord God. Behold the prophets say to them. You shall not see the sword. Nor shall you have famine. But I give you assured peace in this place. That's what the prophets were saying at that time. That's what they're saying today too. Because after all, if you're not going to endure tribulation, you're not going to go through the sword. You're not going to have to be hungry. You're not. None of this is going to come to you because after all, you're going to be out of here. You're going to be gone. The American church, anyway. The rest of the world, yeah, you all suffer. But the American church gets out of here. You got to get out of hell free card. Okay, you get out of hell out of tribulation free card. And what's the Lord say? The Lord said to me, "This is Jeremiah speaking. The prophets prophesy lies in my name. I have not sent them, commanded them, nor spoken to them. They prophesy to you a false vision." divination, a worthless thing, and the deceit of their heart. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who prophesy in my name, whom I did not send, and who say sword and famine shall not be in this land. By sword and famine those prophets shall be consumed. Thus saith the Lord. That's the word of God. They say, oh no, you're going to get out of this. You don't have to deal with it. But he says that's exactly what they're going to deal with. That's his word. It's not mine. Those who falsely proclaim that no harm will come to God's people will endure exactly what they deny is going to happen. Almighty God will punish those who teach others to ignore his word and who falsely proclaim peace and safety. They will suffer calamity. Thus saith the Lord. Those who tell others they'll escape troubles will themselves suffer what they say others will avoid. Christ said they will be swept away in God's wrath. Just like in the days of Noah, who was a preacher of righteousness. Those who ignored Noah were swept away in the flood. They were taken away. As I wrap this up, I want you to comprehend the value in living as our Lord taught. You know, I wrote, these, I wrote this message two weeks ago, by the way. 
And Todd and I had not conferred on the notes that he had here, the scriptures he chose, the songs that he chose. We had not conferred about that. I just want you to know that, okay? This is God working. Todd set up the outline for the week. And it relates exactly to the wrap-up of the message here today. It's written in John chapter 8 that Jesus said, If God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. And in John chapter 14 and verse 15, he said, If you love me, what? Keep my commandments. He who does not love me does not keep my words. What was his word? Immediately after the tribulation of those days, then you will see him return. He says, and the word you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. And the word that you are hearing right now is not mine. It is the Father's who sent me. And I have to deliver it. I'm like the mailman. He gives me the mail, i got to deliver it. And guess who he gives it to first? Right here. I have to accept what he says in his word as true, even when it goes against well-held doctrines that I was taught. He's broken me free from everything. And if there's anything, I ask him, break me free. I don't want to be bound by lies. I want to love my Lord. In Exodus chapter 20, it is written, For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. That's also found in Deuteronomy chapter 5. Exact same words. That's the testimony of two witnesses. By God's word. He shows mercy to thousands, to those who love him and keep his commandments. He laid out the way, folks. That's why the early followers were called followers of the way. He said, here's the way. Walk in it. And they did what he said to do. They walked his way. Not only that, but they taught others to do the same. And that's what I do. I'm teaching you to do what he said to do. I'm teaching you to be who he said you are to be. And I'm teaching you to go like he said to go. The way of holiness is what the Lord said. It's in Isaiah 35, 8. A highway shall be there and a road that shall be called the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for others. Whoever walks the road, although a fool, shall not go astray. So even if you can't think straight, you get on his path, he's going to guide you. Then in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14, we learn that without holiness, nobody will see him. In Romans chapter 6, it's written, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members, servants to uncleanness and into iniquity, unto iniquity, even so now yield your members, servants to righteousness, unto holiness. In other words, he's saying, 
don't keep choosing to go against God. You have a free will. You can choose to do whatever you want to do. But he's saying choose to do what he wants you to do. If God has not called us unto uncleanness. That's what's found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 7. But unto what? Holiness. Holy, not holier than thou-ness. Holiness. It's a humble comprehension of walking like Christ. To be Christ-like. He's the only sinless one. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God except for him. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. The question is, do you believe? Do you believe? Our Lord's returning for a spotless bride who's watching for his return. And the final question that I have for all of you is, will we be found watching? That, he said, that's the mark of believers. We're looking for him. He's coming. He wants us to be ready. And there's so many passages of scripture, so many teachings that he gave that show us that. I'm not going to go into them. But think of the, the virgins, the ten virgins, waiting for the bridegroom. Five were ready, five weren't. Five were wise, five were otherwise. He called them foolish. And I don't want you to be among the foolish. I want you to be among the wise. Choose wisely as you live your lives looking for his return. Now let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. Your word is true. We might not like it, but your word is true. Help us, Father, as we serve you to choose your will and your way for our lives and all of God's people said. Amen. Amen. Alright, if you don't mind, we'll receive an offering. There are those who would never wait to the end of the sermon to receive an offering. They want to get you when you're feeling good after singing music. What you give is between you and God. And I ask that he would die for you giving that it would be sufficient to meet the needs here and beyond here. And that you would be cheerful givers, as his word says. That's right. Father, we thank you. Guide us in our giving. We trust that it would be sufficient. Amen.